Hello, plantpreneurs, and welcome to Series 3 of the Plant-Based Business Podcast, brought to you by us here at Feevolution. I'm Damien Clarkson, your co-host and co-founder at Feevolution, where right now we're busy building a new home for plant-based innovators. On the show, each week we explore what it takes to create and scale a plant-based business. We do this with the best and brightest entrepreneurs and investors who are busy building solutions for a better world. This week, we head to Barcelona to virtually speak to Jeffy Sconti, founder of Nova Meats, who are using micro-extrusion technology to create muscle texture in plant-based and cell-based food applications. Giuseppe has been named as one of the Smithsonian's Institute's nine innovators to watch, and he has a PhD in tissue engineering. In this interview, we discuss the origins of Nova Meats, the future of food tech, being a scientific founder of the business, learning and navigating venture capital, and the importance of building the right team. We've had a few of these guests on the show who are right at the forefront of building a better future through science and technology, and Giuseppe is really leading in this way. So I love this conversation, and I hope you do too. Enjoy. Giuseppe, I think it's incredible what you're doing. Let's start off. I think you are really trying to change the world with this company. So I'm super excited to dive in to your entrepreneurial story. So let's take it back to the beginning. When, where did you grow up? And tell us about your interest in biology and science. Yeah, actually, I was born in uh, Milan, 1986. So now I'm, I'm 33 years old. Mm-hmm. And I'm always uh, been attracted um, uh, to inventions. Uh, being an inventor, I, had, I remember I had some cassettes, video cassettes when I was uh, younger about Da Vinci and, and the great others of the past, um, you know, uh, Newton and Pascal, everybody. <laughs> and we had this uh, kind of uh, at home interest in uh, both uh, science, uh, my family, but also uh, sports. So when I was uh, very young, I really liked um, about, you know, being able uh, to solve problems such as uh, uh, medical sports where you want to try to fix, for example, ligaments, tendons or, of some athletes. Uh, and uh, I felt it was a, a pity uh, if, uh, if you were not able to, you know, uh, recover uh, your uh, your abilities and, and, and your tissues, etc. So it was uh, very, very similar to what uh, now we call tissue engineering, so re- being able to rebuild organs. And tissue engineering... Um, this was one of uh, my my interests, and the other one was um, animals. So I, I mean, uh, nature, the environment, and yeah. So the, my main interests were about uh, engineering. Uh, so being you know uh, attracted to to inventions of the past, this kind of uh, medicine or biomedicine, and and environment. Uh, dinosaur when I was very little, and then uh, biodiversity when I was a little bit uh, older. So. You, you're interested in tissue engineering and um, biology. And when was it you decided you wanted to become an entrepreneur? Yeah, I thought I was going to um, either uh, become a, a doctor in medicine, so I was not sure about starting a career in, in medicine and uh, starting a career in, career in engineering. And when I was at the age of uh, 18, 17 years old, I was in between uh, medicine bioengineering or um, or environmental engineering so uh, when I then uh, started the university then 
I was in Milan, Politecnico di Milano, and I started doing my, my, just my studies, right? A Bachelor of Science in Politecnico di Milano, then a Master of Science in Bioengineering as well as the Bachelor, but in Chalmers University in Gothenburg. And then when I was doing the master, I already got interested in studying more and more. And I started to th uh, think that maybe I was going to be a, a professor and I would have liked to be a professor in uh, bioengineering. Um, and then what happened was that I got uh, more attracted to one specific field of bioengineering, which is called tissue engineering. So being able to regenerate organs and tissues for normally biomedical applications, although you can have also veterinarian applications for that. So I went to live in Spain where there was a good research group and I did there a master in tissue engineering, a PhD in tissue engineering as well. And then I discovered that uh, I was uh, nearer to this uh, professorship career. So I started to, to discover that uh, this was maybe something I would like to do. But I also discovered that I was very distracted. Mm. I was very distracted and starting many different projects. I was good in creativity, in uh, inventing, but not that much in reproducing the same experiments all over and over again. And sometimes at the university, one of the things uh, that uh, are not the most uh, fun things is that when you start a project, you should stay some years on the same project uh, before you can decide to change and pivot a little bit because you don't decide what you do. Uh, who decides is the normally uh, the director of the school, the director of the department or of the research group, and they get, uh, you know, uh, financing, they get the money on a specific project and they need to work five years in the same project. Normally, uh, you are not able to pivot that much. And this is not perfect for somebody like me who was a little bit more creative, less uh, able to concentrate and focus too much, uh, so much on the same subject. So I, I did, a, I remember, uh, I co-authored co the patent in 2014 on using um, nano, uh, nano particles which were paramagnetic, so a specific kind of uh, magnetic particles to try to control from distance the stiffness of uh, certain tissues. And then I, was, uh, um, I decided to work for a period after leaving the university in the south of Spain where I was, in Granada. I've been working uh, for uh, the university in Chile where I was uh, paid by the university, Universidad de los Andes in Santiago. I've been working there, but I was working between there and the UCL in London, and we were working on a new patent for developing a, a new technology for skin regeneration. So then I got an opportunity to come back to, to Spain, and I discovered uh, one specific field of the specific field, which is fish engineering, and this specific field was uh, bioprinting, so being able to control uh, the, um, the texture, the appearance, and the properties of the of the artificial or natural polymers that we were using to create these organs and tissues. And that's, uh, that's where I discovered that uh, I, that's where I got uh, an idea. And this was the idea, which is the, uh, the foundation of Novamid. And so what was the motivation behind you creating Novamid? So this was, when was this around 2018? The first steps were, were done in 2017. I always, uh, as uh, you remember, I just told, uh, I was uh, interested both in, uh, uh, you know, in between engineering and medicine, but the other field that was always very, very interested was in trying to do something uh, good uh, for the planet. And I was a little bit, uh, um, you know, looking for opportunities in trying to do something not only good for the humans and try to, you know, uh, keep humans alive for forever, but uh, uh, I would also and more. I was more interested in trying to do something for the whole 
planets, the, the, the life, life on Earth. I really thought about biodiversity. And what happens is that uh, I read a lot. I read a lot of uh, um, articles. I read a lot of what's, what's happening in the world of technology. And everybody was very interested in 2017 already about Beyond Meat, Impossible Foods. I was uh, inspired by the fact that some of them, like Patrick Brown, come, come from a very academia background. Actually, Patrick Brown, before opening Impossible Foods, he was a very, very important scientist. He, I think he co-founded uh, Plus One. Uh, where I wrote some articles in the same in in this uh, in this uh, journal, and so he was very important scientist. And he decided to move and apply a technology that for the sector was, uh, uh, you know, uh, marvel was like uh, magic. So I thought um, that I was interested in the space uh, because the space of uh, the space of uh, food engineering, food tech was a way to really have an impact, have an impact, and hopefully. Uh, in this uh, moment where we are at uh, taking an important decision, what we want to do with our planet and with our future for the future generation, it's also a great opportunity, not only a great challenge. And uh, for somebody like me that was very distracted and creative, uh, I decided to, to read about this and get informed about that. And I discovered that what was missing was uh, fibrous uh, replacements uh, to meat, which means that you can get a very good uh, burger, a very good uh, meatballs, sausages, but why nobody was doing a beef stick? Why nobody was doing pork meats? And then I discovered it was because it was difficult. And then I thought, okay, who is who's better than a tissue engineer? Uh, not only for cell-based meat, like Mark Post. You know, Mark Post is a tissue engineer, and he decided mm -hmm. to use this strategy. Uh, I was working with cells. I was working with this kind of uh, cells plus biomaterials to create live organs, right? But I, th I thought... Who best than, than a tissue engineer can create a tissue that uh, not only works to be implanted in an animal like human or, or other animals, but instead being used, simplified, right? And being used mm -hmm. for eating. I say simplified and the, the, the term simplified is important. You don't need to have a live organ that functions like a muscle. You want to have a muscle that has the taste, the appearance, the texture, the nutritional properties of a muscle. But the problem is, if you want to implant a muscle, what I was doing normally before implanting organs, this was much, much more difficult because you need to keep the cells alive for a long period. You need to control the biodegradability of the scaffolds. You need to control how the cells uh, um, interact with each other, not only during incubation, but also when you implant in a patient. And one problem I found is, not only myself, but it's very, very well known in the space of tissue engineering, is that when you have a very good idea, if it's a perfect idea, it takes 15 years to go to market. 15 years uh, or 20 years. And this is the best case scenario. So I was a little bit, um, you know, anxious about doing stuff and, and creative. And I thought um, I thought to, to, to focus on demonstrating that the one, I was one of the best in the world in bioprinting. So I created, I saw that the bioprinting experts were creating a standard which was a human ear to create and show that you can get the texture and the taste. Sorry, the taste? <laughs> We're getting there, <laughs> getting there right? Yeah. Yeah. Texture and appearance, yes. I'm skipping some points, yeah. <laughs> You're getting excited, that's why. I think it's, it's definitely your your um, your passion. And you're right, uh, Patrick Brown, he was a tenured professor at Stanford University. Uh, you know, and uh, he was in, I think, his late 50s, maybe 60, when he decided to create Impossible, which uh, 
is in- incredible. And um, I think a lot of people might have seen the videos of Nova Meat 3D printing the steaks and they are they are mind-blowing to watch. Um, you know, I think it's um, really interesting. However, I've seen you talk about, you know, you're not going to be 3D printing millions of steaks. That's not the idea that people are going to have 3D printers at home and, you know, print off their own, their own steak. Um, but you're talking about micro-extrusion is the technology that you've been developing. And so can you talk about what this is on a basic level for sort of non-science people, but also then how it can be applied within the industry? Yes. So there is one specific field of bioprinting, which is called micro-extrusion bioprinting which means uh, that you uh, create uh, microfilaments, microelements. And what is the big advantage compared to other types of bioprinting, such as laser-assisted bioprinting or other types of uh, bioprinting, uh, is the fact, like, uh, for example, inkjet bioprinting, is the fact that with microextrusion bioprinting, uh, you are able to create uh, fibrous structures where you have elements that are not just separated pixels, not separated pixels, but... Uh, um, continuous filaments and this allows you to get a very good texture. Uh, normally in the field what you use are not plant-based natural materials. Uh, normally what you use in the field are either animal-based natural materials or artificial-based polymers. Um, so in general you use polymers normally. I was uh, or before using this kind of natural polymers I already uh, tried to patent back in 2016 uh, titanium-based bioprinting, sorry, titanium-based microextrusion printing that uh, we developed at the university when I was assist- assistant professor from 2015 to 2018. Um, I was assistant professor and postdoctoral researcher at the university here in Barcelona, which is called Polytechnic University of Barcelona. And what I did there, I was working on uh, um, not only bioprinting, so normally using this kind of uh, natural or artificial polymers to create tissues that normally recreate the soft tissues of our body, but I was also working on bioceramic printing, so to create, uh, recreate and regenerate uh, bones, and for example on, on t- uh, titanium uh, 3D printing. All of them, I tried to patent all of them and I detected that uh, the one that I could uh, protect and, uh, and, uh, and, and patent because it was innovative and useful was uh, uh, the use of uh, this kind of technology without cells, so it's not called bioprinting anymore, uh, it's a kind of microextrusion. I said it was microextrusion bioprinting, but if you don't use the cells, it's microextrusion. That's uh, why we call this uh, <laughs> the way it, it is at Novamit. It's uh, using this kind of technology. You can use either small machines, like uh, 3D printers, adapted 3D printers, which is the case of everything you might have seen on the newspapers and the media, but I always stress that we want to scale up and we are going to scale up not using 3D printers, which means that there is a big advantage of using 3D printers when you do it at small scale, prototyping, uh, very high customization, you can personalize a lot, you can iterate, you can keep the cost very low for your small units, you know? You don't need to have uh, 100 kilos every time to test in an extruder, right? You, you can do this uh, with small capsules. And so this has a, a very big advantage itself. So why that's why all the journalists focus a lot on the 3D printing factor. But they always focused on the impact on the ecosystem, the impact on changing uh, how we can, you know, uh, try to support biodiversity, animal welfare, uh, in general, the, the planet. So uh, that is why I always stress that we want to scale. And the way to scale, because it's called micro-extrusion and it's not a printing technology, 
from the beginning what we protected and what we defended in our patent is the fact that uh, it's not about 3D printing. You, uh, you, you, uh, we were patenting, we were, we were protecting um, and the compositions that work with this technology, the processing and the products, but not, not the processing in the form of 3D printing. The processing in the form of various form of, uh, you, can be, you can scale up this with big machines that uh, hopefully can produce uh, 500 kilograms per hour. As soon as possible, we are focusing on testing with these machines. So do these, ex these machines exist at the moment or are you guys kind of developing these? Um, how, how is it going to work in terms of, are you going to find manufacturers and kind of sell them your technology to create this machine? Um, so the, the idea of the big machine was, uh, was uh, created in 2018 already mm -hmm. together with the fact of the, this kind of technology. Uh, but now, right now we are scaling up. So right now we are in the process of using a variety of uh, big machines that already exist and adapting those, uh, which is a strategy to go earlier to the result, right? Although it's true that in the future, what's our business model, uh, we'll be focused on commercializing the technology, uh, which is something very interesting in the space of food tech uh, and very interesting mm -hmm. in general in the space of technology. Uh, many VCs, uh, even Andrisa Norovitz, uh, they really focus on new manufacturing capabilities, manufacturing IP. So being able to use uh, biotech and uh, use biodesign, biotech, biomanufacturing to provide a platform uh, for different services such as pharma, such as food tech. And in our case, we want to provide a platform. And this works at large scale where we provide the clients, the, the large manufacturers with the technology which is a technology in the form uh, of uh, the, 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 the license plus the uh, service of engineering on the composition so they can use their own provider of ingredients, right? Mm -hmm. Their own ingredients provider in terms of aroma, in terms of protein, etc. Uh, but what we want to do and what David Welch from the, the Director of Science of the Good Food Institute uh, explains as a summary of what we do is that we provide the technology to create a variety of textures with a variety of ingredients. Right? So the difficulty there is that you want to cover a wide range of textures going beyond minced meat and beyond the processed meat. And doing so, not only doing so, which is very interesting, but doing so uh, with a variety of ingredients. So being able to avoid the use of soy with gluten. Uh, if you want, you can avoid GMOs or avoid the long list of ingredients. So being able to use a biodiversity, uh, not single crops, uh, you know, uh, derived uh, uh, ingredients. And this allows to create a platform. And this platform can be useful also at small scale for restaurants, for top chefs, where we are working with some top chefs. Uh, but mostly we focus on, on scaling up and provide the technology, not only for the plant-based meat space, which is our focus, but we have also said, uh, I also said, because I am a PhD in teaching engineering, we really started with a good foot on, the, on using this uh, technology for cell-based meat, we are. You want to provide this technology for the cell-based meat uh, space, and uh, very soon we are going to release our first prototypes of uh, cell-based meat applications. So plant-based meat applications, cell-based meat applications, and uh, you might uh, want to know also. This is something very fun. Uh, Nova Meat owns a spin-off which is called Natu, which uses a, a similar technology with different ingredients, but uh, for other spaces such as pet food, uh, such as. Uh, for example, other applications. So we are really trying to create a platform uh, to go to sustainability. And, uh, and this is a platform which is very wide. 
Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And um, you're in the right, I think you're in the right place at the right time. <laughs> One of the things I want to talk about is actually venture capital and that world, because you're, you're a scientist, right? That's, that's your passion. And I, I, when you talk about science, you really light up. I can see that's what, what you love. And how have you found like the process of Silicon Valley and, you know, raising big investment rounds? And what advice do you have for entrepreneurs? I found that uh, many startups are not prepared enough on their IP. Mm -hmm. So, for example, Notamit owns the IP. Many startups, uh, the IP is licensed and it's owned by the university. This is one thing. And then I wrote the patent. I'm the only author of the patent. And uh, I wrote this. I know the insights. I can disclose as much as uh, the patent agency. We agree with our lawyers and the patent agency. But I know exactly what I can license and publish, what I can license, in which sector we can license, we know the, 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 and being a CEO, but having a scientific background, such as me or Patrick Brown, uh, I think there is an advantage. Uh, there is an advantage because in Silicon Valley, you really um, uh, give a good, uh, good reputation to scientists. Uh, you, you treat them, uh, uh, you know, they are treated very, very well first, because uh, especially the ones that are not creating hype and they come with a real technology that is, uh, uh, you know, you can prove it. Uh, so every time people come to see our technology, they can prove, taste. You know, it will be t we tested with uh, 300 people. And th so this is the main difference. The difference with Terranos and the difference with a company that really has the technology that can prove from the beginning is that you know that patent, you know you can publish or you can show it. And you know what you can show. You are able to learn how the business works if you are interested enough. I was lucky to be interested in uh, having an impact and having an impact uh, implies knowing how the money works. Uh, how, um, I find that it's very interesting to know the venture capitalist uh, world because it's a lot about trust. It's a lot about uh, the funders and the trust. It's a lot about managing the, the funds, right? You know, the fund, the ventures have their, their own LPs. So if you agree with them, you know exactly when they need to give the money back. You know what are your milestones. If you have a technology that is provable or you can demonstrate more than the others on the, the technology level, you are able to set the milestones and really increase the value of it. If you are able to diversify in a period of a COVID situation, for example, you are able to touch many points such as cell-based meat where you can, if you want, avoid down rounds and have your own technology and increase the valuation of the company working a little bit on cell-based meat. You can work on the plant-based meat manufacturing IP and for example, I mentioned already that Mark Andreessen has, has wrote an article, an essay very famous about, uh, you know, in the BC world there, which is it's time to build. It's time for the Western countries to focus and investing a lot on manufacturing. So both uh, uh, Breakthrough Energy Ventures, um, Andreessen Horowitz, Sequoia, the big guys know that it's not only about software, even though many of them said that software was eating the world. It's also about uh, um, the hardware, the manufacturing, the IP, and uh, it's also about being able to be not only uh, manufacturing that is towards sustainability and one big part is food tech, but also being able to use the big part of the biotech, which is still uh, hidden and uh, un untouched. So biotech uh, uh, will be eating, is eating the world right now. And there is a new biofund, for example, from Andrisi Norovitz, uh, 700 millions that they open now in, in February. So this is a big sign. Uh, my friend Ryan Betancourt as well, he always stressed a lot that is, uh, the bio is, uh, is going to be the next big thing. Yeah. And in, in terms of the kind of the way you've fundraised for the business so far, 
like have you got any tips you would share to entrepreneurs listening to this this podcast you know because it's a you can get yourself into difficult situations as a business and if you just make slight wrong steps is there any advice you would you would like to share with people yeah i think that uh, my first advice would be to get a kind of a feedback and uh, the venture capitalists they're not only about money they know the landscape very well especially the people that are in the sector so for example in our case we are very happy and very very good friends with new crop because we actually were lucky that we could select and we selected somebody that could give us a feedback on the technical due diligence so if a venture capital invests in you then it might mean that there is nobody else uh, that they have in their portfolio and if uh, they are the ones that detect earlier than the others then you might understand that you maybe are in the right path because uh, they've seen you know hundreds of food tech startups and if they build, believe in you maybe you have something different you have they have you know uh, investors have their own confidentiality so they cannot show you uh, what they know about the general landscape but if you get an investor of the sector and not dumb money so not uh, money from uh, just the fin- financial uh, people then you know something extra which is you feel that the new uh, funds that want to jump in uh, want to learn from your actual investor want to trust your uh, the, the people in the sector and they normally if there is a big fund moving in the space they normally want to have some kind of uh, um, uh, connection with some funds in the space and sometimes what they can do is invest directly or maybe invest in these uh, specific uh, funds uh, indirectly uh, in, in startups in the sector so I think that finding a VC um, is uh, what we did is what we, we like because it's a very very fast way of doing it uh, you know also need to, you also need to show to know the general picture if the US is investing uh, I don't know, early, around 800 million of the total 900 million that is invested in food tech, then maybe it's easier if you do a trip to the States instead of uh, uh, staying in your local community. And, you know, it's about uh, uh, being there where, where the, the, the money is, but where the clever money is as well. Uh, so get the strategic investor first and be in constant contact, being very open and learn from them. Um, and, yeah, and uh, I think... Uh, um, well, you know, there is a very, very fun thing, which is a uh, new crop capital invested in uh, the startup when the team was uh, uh, was me. Uh, I was going to, I was going to, to, I was going to open the team, but it was me uh, because I was a scientist and I was able to structure the the team, etc. According to them, right? And we, we, hopefully, it's true. <laughs> uh, so then we, we now we are five in the team, and uh, uh, we are going to raise a new round now in in um, in November. So, which means that we are going, uh, we're going to grow much, much faster. But uh, um, getting strategic investor and ask them, learn from them, it's so uh, finding a way to get the feedback from them. Uh, if they are from the sector, it means that maybe you have something new. Uh, or maybe they just, uh, the other way is maybe they couldn't invest in somebody that was as good, uh, you know, uh, in the, your same space. But in we know each other in the space uh, of food tech. We know every startup. There is a, Many people doing incredible mapping of uh, of the whole world of uh, plant-based meat, and uh, and so we know each other very well. Uh, there is very few startups in stealth mode, so um, yeah, I think uh, I think this is my first uh, and most important uh, suggestion. Hello, Damien here, co-founder of Evolution. So at Evolution, interviewing great founders is just one part of what we do. 
Our mission as a company is to create a world where plant-based and cell-based businesses grow faster in their work to create solutions for a better world. And as a founder, I've been through several investment rounds. I can tell you they can be a long drawn out process. So earlier this year at Vivolution, we sat down to create an ecosystem and powerful tool to help startups and investors find each other quickly and efficiently. This new platform is now in a live beta. We have hundreds of startups currently fundraising on the Vivolution platform and are being seen by professional investors looking to fund the next generation of plant-based and cell-based businesses. For investors, you can learn more by visiting www.feevolution.com investors and joining is simple and we've already had founding members including Blue Horizon Corporation, Dismatrix, Veg Capital, Carol United, New Crop Capital, Capital Fee and more. And if you're a startup, you can join right now and it's free. Simply head to feevolution.com and upload your investment round. And we look forward to seeing you all there to create solutions for a better world together. So I, I just wrote down that I wanted to maybe touch upon is being a solo founder because you are the chief science officer, essentially the CEO, the head fundraiser. <laughs> how, how do you um, how do you find time to, you know, dedicate, you know, the right amount of your energy to each part of the your function as as the, the founder? Yeah. So uh, my main function at Nova Me to, is to define priorities. That's it define priorities and then because i have a engineering background or i think i have a strong bioengineering background uh, spend as much time as i can in the first uh, years on technology uh, which means that now in the team we have a great de- business development manager uh, alexandre then we have uh, and he's been working in business and finance for uh, 10 years so now he's able to do the operations help me on the financing making sure that uh, I know, I understand uh, why we take the decisions and uh, being able to, to, to justify all the decisions we take. Uh, then uh, we have uh, Joanne, uh, we has been working with Albert Adria, the brother of Ferran Adria, uh, on 3D printing on, uh, 3D printing on choc- of chocolate. So he was one of uh, the best West ones in the world and now I think he's uh, one of, or maybe he's the best one in the world uh, in, uh, uh, in the plant-based meat uh, micro-extrusion for sure, <laughs> uh, uh, creating this kind of uh, very controlled texture at the microscopic level. Um, so myself at the beginning, what I did is push a lot on technology, making sure that the foundations were right. So my strategic decisions was the decision was to find a partner which was a, an IP lawyer, a technology lawyer. It looks very strange, but the only thing I couldn't uh, learn, uh, uh, even if I could put all my efforts, I could write by patent, I could find the money, I could uh, work long term and demonstrate that I'm a person to trust. The only thing I cannot learn is the law, right? I cannot learn how to negotiate and I want to have somebody with me that is working long term on getting uh, the good deals for Novamit as a, a sustainable, sustainable company that can really grow and avoid, the, avoid making mistakes. So when I sign, I double check with somebody that is an expert. Uh, so the only thing I really care is when I sign, I want to be sure that I understand what I sign. And then the other things is... Uh, this means uh, then that uh, uh, first, first with me was the, this partner, Oscar. Well, I think he won uh, one of the best uh, lawyers, uh, technology lawyers in Spain uh, in 2019. Uh, then we got Alexander, business development manager. The first one actually before Alexander uh, were uh, Joanne Solomando, as I mentioned, at food 3D printing, and Esther working on uh, cell-based meat. 
uh, with me because I cannot spend my whole time on cell-based meat actually so I just give some hints and direct a little bit what I can now and then we are opening all of these these people these uh, main people are the heads of their department so Alexander will have his own department, he will be uh, responsible of his department, Joan uh, being responsible of his department of food engineering, Esther of uh, uh, one important person of the cell-based efforts that we are doing, uh, structuring this in a, in a more, you know, a more structured way in the next few months because we still need to work on that. And then we are opening a department on large-scale uh, industrialization, which is uh, what I'm working right now on. Actually, my work now is detecting priority and working on scaling up. Really interesting. I, I think what I'm hearing is that you've um, gone for experience first in your team. It's really easy when you raise a bit of money for a venture to be like, okay, let's get lots of bodies here. Let's, let's you know, get lots of young energy there. But it sounds like you've gone for people who you've handpicked because they have, have, have the right experience to support you. Yeah, I would say I never did an interview. I always handpicked. I never did an interview because in this space we are very lucky. Everybody wants to change the world, and food tech is a way to save the world for for many of us. Or being part of uh, you know in this moment where we really have the opportunity to be part of the change, uh, and being remembered for future generations as the first generation that did something about it. So I want to be remembered uh, by my my child and by my you know uh, in the future that I did something good in the right direction where it was really needed. Uh, and so handpicking, uh, it's very important because you need to give trust in these people and you want, uh, you want people that are uh, strong enough to give you feedback so you, don't, you can really give a lot of responsibility. So one very strange thing we do at Novamit is that we leave a lot of space to individuality. Individuality is always seen not in a very good way because uh, you always think that uh, creativity comes from teams, etc. But creativity not always comes from teams. Great people, Newton, Einstein, it comes from having uh, knowledge and having time. So I give a lot of time, I, I provide and protect my team, I give them a lot of time to focus on their single talent and really uh, after some time we really get something special. So creativity in my opinion, in sometimes, not, not in all things, but when it's about, uh, um, it's about high-tech technology or performance technology, you want to give time to a specific person that is very good and this person can, give, uh, can, become, can, can provide more than 10 per people. You know, Einstein could, uh, could you know, you, you can put 100 people working on the same that Einstein was working, but Einstein was uh, doing it. And on, you, you can put 100 experts together they wouldn't be able to do the same theory of relativity. So there is a, a clever, uh, you know, logic intelligence and, uh, and the practical intelligence and emotional intelligence. Sometimes you cannot sum up uh, just putting more team, more people on the team. And this is something happening in corporates. If you just join people, not always you reach a level where you can get with one specific person where you give a trust, you give time, and it's the right person. Yeah, I agree. Designed by a committee kills creativity <laughs> you're, you're one of the guests we've had on the show that i would definitely consider to be a futurist you you know when you talk you're talking about the future very very much so um what does the food system look like to you in 10 years time all right so it's very uh, it's very true that i'm a futuristic and i always looked at the general view i never focused on on the practical very small sector of uh, for example food tech so I would say that in the food specific sector, uh, what we will see for sure is 
a push from the governments, the, the people, and the companies, which means that, no, sorry, the pull from the, the market, so market demand, we are detecting this uh, in uh, Europe, in the States, and the growing, I've seen, uh, uh, I've seen uh, some data from a billion bag uh, app where it says that Colombia, Ecuador, and now the countries that were a little bit behind this movement of uh, uh, moving towards a plant-based uh, diet are really accelerating a lot. For example, Spain and Italy were a little bit behind, and they always ask me, Giuseppe, why you, do you do this in Spain and Italy? We are very strong tradition. And I always said, okay, we have great ingredients. I don't care if your people don't want it now. I feel that they will want it in the future, and we are international, so it doesn't matter, right? If, uh, if uh, we, we don't need to be uh, too local at the beginning, we just need to work on uh, the technology and demonstrate the product. Uh, so what I would say is that the future is a market pool will increase, uh, we detect that uh, market pool will increase uh, even more because some market pool is controlled or even um, it's, uh, you know, the governments are in favor of it. For example, Europe is in favor of it uh, because uh, Europe is in favor of avoiding importing too much meat from Brazil, from Bolsonaro, because uh, we know that um, every time there is an Amazonian fire, uh, people here get want to do a boycott on, on Brazilian meat. Uh, then we want to be less dependent on soy. We are under soy fluctuation prices, so we import soy, we import meat, so Europe wants to be independent and with the COVID crisis even more, uh, which means that uh, all communities want to be kind of independent, having their own manufacturing, having their own, uh, you know, in that sense, so, uh, this kind of technology, even 3D printing and decentralized technology can be very, very interesting. And then the States is moving very fast because at the beginning, as you know, uh, Hollywood superstars show that it's one of the easiest way to change the world by choosing a supermarket. So market pool in Europe states and market pool in Asia, it's where everything will change and where the compound annual growth rate will really, uh, uh, will really uh, jump very, very fast. We know that uh, protein consumption, 50% of it uh, will be uh, from Asia very soon, uh, in the next 10 or 20 years. Uh, and we know that the Chinese government was uh, wants to avoid, the, because they have the trade war with the States, they don't want to import from the States. They import through Hong Kong a lot of meat uh, from Brazil, and they know that they have a middle class that is growing, and this middle class wants to have the same access as we have right now of these kind of proteins, and the protein is less expensive and more intelligent to get this protein from alternative sources. So they want to support their own champions like Omnipork, Zenmeat, etc. And um, so what happens is that Asia um, is going to drive this acceleration from the market pool because you know what happened? Very, very interesting. Uh, last week, uh, the, last week the, they detected, they said that they detected virus of coronavirus on packaging of frozen meat coming from Brazil. All right. So this is super important because, you know, the Chinese consumers care a lot about health. Health first, environment, uh, animal welfare, but health and safety first. If you find virus on frozen meat coming from Brazil, this is a clever movement that can be done from the government to show that the virus can come from outside and the, the, the virus maybe doesn't come from Wuhan because it might have come from a frozen uh, packaged goods first. And second, is a very good uh, strategy to show that there is a safer way to get meat that is not coming from uh, uh, swine flu uh, fever porks or from uh, uh, chicken that are antibiotic uh, driven or, or meat uh, from uh, beef that comes from the Amazonia uh, from, uh, from Brazil. 
Great. So um, we now do a quick fire round on the podcast where I, I ask a few questions, answer them as like quickly as you can, um, not, not in too much depth. So the first question is, why do you get up in the morning? I want to protect uh, or restore biodiversity. That's a great answer. Um, what problems are you trying to solve with Novameet? Uh, Novameet has a global vision. So the, even beyond food tech is about finding more time for the humans to detect that we need to use our resources of the planet in a more intelligent way. The next question is what resources had the biggest impact on your business so far? Resources is about uh, the right advisors, the right uh, people behind you and together with you, the right team and the time for yourself to think about what you are doing and reading a lot. Yeah, but you're going to like this next question. So <laughs> what are the top three books or podcasts you recommend to entrepreneurs? I would say that I mostly read books and I don't listen too much to podcasts yet because podcasts became very popular when I was already too much into the startup and I didn't have too much time. So I would say I really like one from Einstein, which is a how I view the world, I think. It's called like this, so a very philosophical book in which explains the reason uh, why, uh, yeah, the reason why it's important uh, to be curious and really, uh, really how to make an impact on, uh, on uh, your life. Also, I suggest a book from Aristoteles. Um, is, uh, it's called um, How the World uh, Works or something like that. It's a very old book. It's, a, it's supposed to be the book that uh, the lecture to Alexander the Great. And another book, if you want to become an entrepreneur, you can you can be you can agree or not with Peter Thiel, but uh, zero to one uh, really gives some uh, very very good insights. Yeah, I like that bit too. Now I'm reading uh, the hard thing about hard things from uh, Orbitz. Okay, yeah, that's been recommended a few times on the show. That book. Um, what do you know now that you wish you knew when you started this business? Um, I wish I knew how to um, create um, focus more on. Uh, delegating and creating a team that is able to uh, you are able to to give the responsibility so they really can go alone in their in their path uh, without uh, focusing too much on trying to help them in their specific uh, subject okay, that's great advice um what's been the biggest challenge you've had to overcome so far well as a scientist i really give a lot of importance to the technology and i would say that uh, for me myself uh, I really focus on get the technology right and really improving the technology. If the technology, even more than the product, if the technology is superior, uh, if you get uh, one order of magnitude compared to your competitors, then you really have something uh, where if you start right in the right direction, then you have uh, you have the right position to start in a good way. Very nice. And um, lastly, what do you do to keep yourself sane? Uh, well, I walk uh, with my wife and my newborn and I walk uh, in nature as much as possible and I don't live in the city center. I live in a part where I see some uh, trees, uh, I see some uh, nature, I see some green, some animals and um, I would say, yeah, I would say uh, staying as close as possible to nature with, uh, with uh, your important people uh, around you. Great, look, it's been fantastic to talk to you finally after following your work for many years. Um, and how can people reach out to you and connect with you if they're interested in learning more about the work you're doing with Novameet? Yes, yeah, so on the website, novameet.com, on LinkedIn, Novameet, on Instagram, Twitter, 
Facebook. Uh, we opened a TikTok, I think, uh, uh, a couple <laughs> of days ago. I'm not able to do that, so trying to do that as well. Uh, so there or via email, team at novamid.com. Uh, somebody will just uh, tell me, Giuseppe, somebody is looking for you. <laughs> and they will, they will find you. Okay, look, thank you, my friend. It's been brilliant to talk to you and um, uh, we'll speak again soon. Thank you and congrats for the podcast. I, I hear a few of them, but the one that you hear from you, it really is, uh, is very good. Hello, Damien here, and thank you for listening to this episode of the Plant-Based Business Podcast brought to you by us here at Feevolution. So if you head on over to feevolution.com, you can join our community of investors and startups and people building solutions to a brighter future. And if you enjoyed this show, please head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a positive review. It really helps us in getting the message out there and getting more people to discover all the positive stories that we're sharing. You can, of course, give us a social media share. Please tag us at Feevolution. We're on all the social media channels. And you can email me at damien at feevolution.com if you want to reach out directly. Uh, we love hearing from you, you listening to the podcast. I'm honestly amazed at all the messages we receive. And you know, it really gives us the encouragement to keep making this show for you. And um, all your feedback is always appreciated. And as always, a big thank you to Bridie Addison Child, who edits this podcast, and for all our guests and all of you, our listeners, for supporting the show. So thank you, and until the next time, bye.